Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Idly hey! Welcome to another episode of The Brett Allen Show. Prepare to be astonished! A pop culture podcast. Join Brett Weekly as he interviews your favorite celebrities from film, <gasps> oh, television, back in business, baby. comedy, and much more. Inconceivable! Plus, you never know who will stop by. Dude, we are so going to party! Now, here is your host, Brett Allen. is a special edition of the Brett Allen Show, a pop culture podcast, and today we are talking about Fat Tuesdays, which is now streaming on Amazon Prime Video, and we are talking to a comedy rock star, in my impression, in my opinion, some of the best impressions uh, in the game. We are talking also SNL alum, Finesse Mitchell, welcome into the show. It's great to have you. I don't know if he's one of the best impressionists, but he's pretty damn good. Hey, <laughs> now that's I'm just kidding. That's Brock. Now I tell you, I'm excited about this because this uh, documentary series, Fat Tuesdays, is fantastic. I mean, some of the best um, that I've seen out there. I tell you, because there's so much to watch. Yeah. And I I have to tell you, being quite honest, like I as I watch these documentaries, I learn more and more about the Comedy Store. Um, especially in the late 90s and really just what a hotbed uh, that was for comedy and and just a lot of things. How did this project come about for you? And and if people haven't had a chance to watch it yet, Finesse, uh, can you fill us in a little bit on what it's about? Well, first of all, it's about how comedy in Los Angeles, uh, let's say, you know, the iconic three clubs, the Hollywood Improv, you know, the Laugh Factory, the Comedy Store. Well, you know, every night back then in those days, there was definitely a show going on, but it was mainstream comics and or white comics. So um, Robin Williams basically took Robin Harris. I'm sorry. <laughs> that would be funny if it was Robin <laughs> Robin Williams. I'm like, now you're definitely telling me something that I don't know about. That's great. I, I We know what you meant. <laughs> That's okay. But uh, Robin Harris, he uh, basically took uh, what we call mainstream black comedy or underground comedy. I can't even call it mainstream black comedy and took it down, you know, past Pico, as we say out here, uh, down in the district to the Comedy Act Theater. And once, uh, and it became legendary, like all the famous black comedians would be in the Comedy Act Theater. Theater, And once uh, it started to die down because of the passing of Robin Harris, it was never really the same. Uh, Guy Torrey was here in Los Angeles and figured that the black comics really needed a place to stay. But why can't we be on Sunset Strip? Why can't we be on Sunset Boulevard? You know what I mean? So he basically went to Mitzi Shore at the comedy store and said, you know, give me a night. If you give me a night, I'll, you know, I'll pack it out. And so she gave him the belly room in the comedy store. Uh, it can seat 75 people comfortably. Um, and Fat Tuesday started, you know. Uh, he called it Fat Tuesday, comedian guy Tori from Missouri. And um, next thing you know, uh, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And they moved it to the main room. And once it became, once it was in the main room, it became a movie. It was literally a movie 
I mean, everybody from sports, uh, you know, the Lakers to the Clippers, they didn't really want the Clippers back then, but <laughs> from the Lakers to every comedian, to every star, like everybody would come on Tuesday night to Black Night at the Comedy Store. And it just, it became legendary with every Tuesday that, that passed. You know, people were flying in town literally to do a Tuesday night at the Comedy Store. And so when you saw the Fat Tuesday documentary, uh, I think it could have went on for 10 more episodes. You know, yeah. it was just one of those things that how much can you put in one documentary? And it was so beautifully done. You could tell that, you know, just the passion that he put into the project and how long he had the project. And um, yeah, because I'll tell you this, I, I'll be he called got got toward called me and I said, I'm there. I'll do it. But he didn't have all those people agreeing to do the documentary till certain people started doing the documentary. And then he started showing, of course, the sizzle or clips of the documentary. And then more people started to do the documentary. You know what I mean? So I'm glad he took his time with it. I'm glad people decided to to get involved and and tell their stories uh, because it's, you know, it's just one of those iconic nights in comedy here in Los Angeles where stars were born it was like deaf comedy jam but it wasn't deaf comedy jam it was something better it was something more special and it was live it was urban you know yeah i mean it's just so cool and i had heard the same thing when mike binder or mike binder did his documentary on the comedy store just in general like it took a little bit of time before people became fully interested in and becoming a part of it because from what i understand Like, for a lot of comedians, it's, like, split down the middle, you know, as far as, like, how their feelings are towards the store and sort of that sort of thing. But I feel like you could do two or three or four more seasons of this because it's that good. Absolutely. Because the stories are definitely there. I mean, yeah. you could do stories. Um, you could do – hold on one second. I'm sorry. You could do stories just on, like, two or three comics and yeah. have that be two or three episodes. You know, so for him to like include, you know, people like, um, you know, like, I don't know. You saw the documentary. People, if you haven't seen the documentary, it's on Amazon. It's so many comedians on it from J.B. Smooth to Steve Harvey all the way down to like a Finesse Mitchell, Jay Farrell. It's just like it's so many comedians on it that you can literally say, hey, Finesse Mitchell when you were doing the Starkeisha character, you know, where did you practice? <laughs> oh, well, God was the only person that would give you stage time <laughs> to, to, you know, do this bit. I used to do this bit that literally used to stand people up. And when Tracy Morgan was leaving Saturday Night Live and they was looking for the new black guy, I just happened to have this perfect bit that was like, you know, it was ready. You know, if you know anything about comedy, comedy is about having a great bit that's ready at the right time, being yeah. seen by the right person who can do something for your career. And that's what happened to me. You know, um, that's thing I know. I was in New York City and I and I got Saturday Night Live. But if it wasn't for the reps, you know what I mean? I probably wouldn't have been ready when it when it was time to audition. You know? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I've heard that story very similarly told. Uh, Tommy Davidson was on recently and he said the same thing, you know, it was like getting in front of the right people really is what it comes down to and having those opportunities 
Now, I know you mentioned SNL. You did that for about three seasons, but I think most people I know for sure myself knew you as a stand-up comic, you know, long before and after. When you were getting started, did you do the comedy store a lot? Was that where you kind of got a start as a regular, or how did that journey start for you as a comedian and a storyteller? When I got started, I I started at the Laugh Factory. Okay. Much. But where I most consistently got up was the comedy store at the time. Uh, but I, it was still like probably a once every five weeks thing. So to me, that was getting up a lot. Um, yeah. The Ha Ha Cafe here off of Lancashire in Los Angeles, you know, a lot of us went there on a Wednesday night because uh, you could get up. That was sort of like their black urban night. Um, but and then there was the comedy union out here. And then people had individual rooms. Um, the Laugh Factory is is my home club. You know, it's where I am right now. I'm in. I'm literally inside the Laugh Factory. Yeah, I was gonna say I recognize the. Uh, I've been in that room a couple times before. Um, very interesting. I have a couple more questions. I know we have a tight time limit here. This is but breaking I wanna... news. But I, I'm the president of the Laugh Factory, so I didn't know if you knew that. I did not really. Okay, yeah. so you're doing Wendy Williams and you're the president of the Laugh Factory. Um, <laughs> you're making moves, my friend. I tell you, it's 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 getting out there. Very curious. You mentioned that you had come up with this character and then you get Saturday Night Live. And I, I'm just asking this out of genuine curiosity. When you're on that show and you're a stand-up by trade, and now you're being put into this world of sketch comedy because you, I mean, you killed it on that show. You had so many great impressions and a lot of amazing weekend update bits, just a lot of fun stuff. But is it challenging for you as a comedian who's used to doing stand up to being put into a scenario where now you're pitching sketches every week and trying to get screen time? Or is it just all the same for you? It's a hustle and you just do what you need to do to, to kind of get where you need to be in that sort of, space that's a great question um i was definitely feeling like a stand-up when i got there and tried to crack the code on what their brand of funny was right because for me at the time it was just about getting a job i want to get something in hollywood i moved out to la to get something in hollywood and i ended up booking something that was in new york city so i had to move all the way to new york city and so at the time I was I was still young in the game and I really wasn't thinking about it like I just booked the iconic Saturday Night Live. Holy yeah. crap. For me it was just like, oh, I have a job. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, way back when Eddie Murphy was here. You know what I mean? It was just like that thing versus when I got around people like Amy Poehler and Tina Fey and Jimmy Fallon and Maya Rudolph. I mean, they really for them it was like the pinnacle. And I didn't yeah. figure that out till like late. It really wasn't hitting me. So when I got on and I had a sketch that got on, whether it was, uh, I don't know, Morgan Freeman, uh, Starkeisha or whatever, it was just like, oh, I got a sketch on. And then it became, hey, you know, um, Queen Latifah's hosting. So what do you got? You know what I mean? I'm just like, oh, you know what I mean? <laughs> so then you start to learn a little bit the, the politics of it. You know what I mean? Like, sure. oh, you know, Halle Berry's hosting. You're going to be used a lot this week. You know what I mean? Tom Hanks is hosting. You might be on the sideline, you know? So just yeah. me just trying to like maneuver and 
and and and trying to shift my funny to a sketch it was difficult i was a pretty decent writer and i could really get to the joke but sometimes a sketch is six or seven pages long so it's like oh you really got to be a writer you know so that transition was a little difficult but you know the overall experience was great and everybody who i met you know what i mean all the the guest stars as as it still goes on today and all the musical guests you know it's just like wow i look back on that time like but that you blew it no <laughs> no i mean it's no, I look was, back it on was, that time like i enjoyed it. i really did i enjoyed it no i believe you i i get it you know i love that and i think it was your impression Stephen avery that was like kind of like a go-to um you know you just did all of these like fantastic moments and i was when I, before we started talking a couple of days ago i was just going through youtube and just watching some of your old clips from the show and just some of your highlight reels um and you just it, it was a different time for saturday night live i think just yeah. a very special moment i think it's still great now but i got I to could take underst- over for tracy morgan and yeah. I, didn't even, I didn't even really know Tracy before I met her. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And your comedy is great, too. I've seen you out here in the Bay Area several times. This is yeah. fantastic. Uh, Fat Tuesdays, it's now streaming on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, and it's just, I mean, a lot of fun. If you want to learn about comedy, yeah. uh, black comedy black history, comedy. You the call 90s. It, black comedy. it is, yeah. The, the 90s comedy boom of black comedy and really... Uh, you know, which I feel like you guys and all these people were getting like the right just do as far as like being recognized, you know, instead of like an Apollo type polarizing thing or maybe just something off to the side, but really, you know, selling the hell out of that club and, and right. making it something huge. In fact, we got Guy uh, coming on tomorrow, so I'm excited to hear from him as well. But Thank you so much for your time. I know you're a very busy individual, and it's been a long list of time and dreams to get you on the show. So thank you so much, Finesse, uh, for spending time with us today. I appreciate it. If you're ever in L.A., bro, come to the Laugh Factory. Say you know me. I got That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. Go home.